You're listening to Resurrection Life Podcast with your hosts, Father Steve Matson and Richard Budd, the podcast of the Church of the Resurrection in Lansing, Michigan. In today's episode, we talk about growing your domestic church. We hear a reflection on how we spend our time, and we listen to a poem by Brian Fink, Milking. Welcome to Resurrection Life Podcast. another episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. This is your host, Richard Budd, and with me as always... Father Steve. How you doing, Father? I'm doing well. It's a good time to be a football fan in the state of Michigan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Go Lions! <laughs> no, hopefully, hopefully they'll still be in it uh, by the time you hear this. I knew that I was going to set you a little bit off kilter with starting right out the gate with that because uh, we usually start because with the weather. Because of charity? Well, and, and yeah, I mean, you were trying to, we all know the, the team that you were trying to avoid to talk about, but we can just talk about the Lions. Spartan. <laughs> well, everybody tries to avoid the But uh, yeah, so we're recording this um, on, uh, what is it, January 19th. That's and right. we're kind of basking in the glow of the Lions first playoff victory and since I was 10 years old. That's right. And uh, and as a Michigan fan, it was a good week because in the state of in, in the span of a week, we got the uh, national championship and the Lions game. So mm-hmm. um, since I am co-host of this podcast, I had to be able to get that out there. And I'll just let you <laughs> bask in that glory. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of Michigan fans who are Celebrating with you. Yeah, that's right. I am not one of them. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, moving on to uh, some more uh, sublime uh, topics. Um, there's a new uh, program on form. Well, yeah, let's just back up. So uh, one of the resources that I think a lot of you have uh, already been aware of and perhaps have begun to use or use regularly is called formed.org. It's mm-hmm. uh, developed by the Augustine Institute. And uh, we pay a parish fee. And so you can go to their website if you haven't and just put in our zip code 48912 and resurrection will pop up and you'll be able to get all the materials. And one of the new materials is the Catholic parent. Yeah. Let's let me let's give a little bit more of an on-ramp first before oh, we yeah. jump right into that. I mean, part of what is available on Formed is uh, programs that I think would be more appropriate uh, on a parish level, like uh, a baptism preparation or marriage preparation. That's I, right. I don't mean to discourage people from looking at those because those can always be great. Although they have a lot of entertainment too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, yeah. so it's interesting. There's so a lot they've of got they've got movies. They've got yeah. uh, they've got some good children's programming. My children like all of their um, their programming, um, but uh, they also have just um, different uh, Bible studies uh, and different series. Um, one of the series that uh, my wife likes to watch with the kids is. Uh, Kendra Tierney, I think is how you pronounce her name. Mm-hmm. She uh, talks about how to celebrate the liturgical year at home with the family. And so uh, everything from decorating the home to uh, <clears throat> maybe things to, to cook and, and enjoy for dinner that have to do with the liturgical season. 
Um, but and maybe why I don't know about and, it. Uh, yeah, it's maybe not both of those uh, things. Right? Absolutely uh, applicable to. Your yeah, life. I mean, I probably I, I could benefit from it. I'm sure. Um, but there's a new program out. Uh, it's it's just being released, or or will soon be released. Um, about uh, it seems uh, to be about the domestic church. We uh, we haven't been able to see it. And yet. This is your bailiwick. This is yeah. This is my. Would you would you say bailiwick? This is an, uh, a strong interest, a theological interest of mine. I'll, I'll and say uh, occupationally. Occupationally as well, yeah. Yeah, vocationally as well. Voc- <laughs> I mean, in every way. <laughs> it's something that I'm deeply, uh, professionally and personally interested in. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the whole idea of the domestic church I find very fascinating because a lot of times the way it's treated is a, a slogan or... Uh, just kind of a nice uh, sentiment. Oh, the family is the domestic church, you know. Uh, but if you really look at what the church has said about it, uh, it starts uh, with uh, the church fathers, Augustine and um, and John Chrysostom, uh, and I think Maximus, the confessor maybe. Anyways, uh, mainly John Chrysostom and Augustine. Uh, they're the ones that begin to use the term. Uh, but then the church gets kind of pulled into the Christological controversies. Uh, is Jesus God and man? Is he a creation of the Father? You know, how do we understand the two natures of Christ? Uh, how do we understand Mary? How is she related to, to Christ? And so uh, the theology of marriage and the family really kind of goes dormant for, for a long time. Uh, and it only starts to get um, resurrected at the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, some of the, the earlier uh, popes of the 20th century, um, uh, Pius IX, uh, start to talk about um, marriage and the family again. And then <clears throat> uh, Vatican II uh, brings the, the idea back that the, the, that the church is, uh, the family is like a domestic church. Paul VI in his document, uh, Evangelii uh, Nuntiandi, um, says that since the family is a domestic church, all the various elements of the larger church uh, can be found in the family, which is a really kind of striking statement to make if you think about how vast and varied all the different aspects, theological or practical, mm-hmm. that make up the church. Um, there's a hierarchy in the church. Does that mean there's a hierarchy in the domestic church? There's liturgy in the church. Does that mean there's a liturgy in the domestic church? Works of mercy, uh, evangelization. Uh, So can we look at the family through the lens of the church to better understand the family? But then in reverse, can we look at the church through the lens of the family to better understand the church? And I think we need to do both of those. They'll, I think they'll mutually enrich each other. Um, but I thought we'd, we'd talk a little bit today about um, what I like to kind of point to as like three pillars of the, so, the domestic church. And let's just say you're an expert. I'm not, I would not say I'm an expert. I'm, well, of course you wouldn't, but I, I can say that. <laughs> no, this is your area of study. Yeah. That, yeah. And so what is expertise, right? You have some competence in this sure. area. So. Sure, sure. Fill us in on the three so aspects I, of the pillars. So I think that the same thing. I'm not being. I'm not being cheeky. I, I, know I mean it in yeah. all earnest. Uh, again, we we I, I make this statement based on what we say about the church, 
Uh, and so um, Pope Benedict XVI in his document Deus Caritas S says that the church does three things. Uh, it, it prays, it preaches the gospel, and it does the works of mercy. And so um, to look at how do we live our families well, I think those are the three pillars. As, as Catholic Christian families, uh, are we praying as a family? Are we evangelizing ourselves and others as a family? And then are we doing the works of mercy within the family and without the family or, or outside the family? Yeah, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> just, we, we can just kind of go through those. I think sometimes we try to make these very complicated and very programmatic uh, and we don't need to. I think yeah. the family provides many areas in which we can do this. So just to quickly look at prayer, um, the church has two main s types of prayer. It has its ritual liturgical prayer in which there is a set structure and uh, the words are already decided and you just move through it. And that's really, uh, sometimes people can give that a bad rep because it feels like it's being stifling, but it really is brilliant because it allows us all to pray together. Yeah. When we go to Mass on Sunday and we say the creed, you've got, what, 250 people in the church, 300 people in the church that are all saying the exact same words at the exact same time. We're being united. In the Our Father. Yeah. yeah. Not to mention the Our Father. Exactly. But we're, we're being kind of knit together in, in our union with one another through the liturgy. So the liturgy is this thing that really kind of unites us. So in the family, are there prayers that can be said together where everybody knows the words, everybody knows the proper time, and the proper customs, uh, very simply meal prayers, morning and evening prayers, uh, prayers on the way to mass in the in the family van, and, you know, just guardian angel <clears throat> prayers. Yeah, right? the, the 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 things that you're probably already doing with your family. But but, if, but let's let's be honest, our tradition handed those on better in the past than mm -hmm. we've done today, and I'm not talking about us as a, as a parish. But I, I do think that there there was a a diminishment of rote prayers sure. that that it needs to be from the heart and ideally a rote prayer is actually <laughs> engaging the heart and mm -hmm. that we we're, we're praying uh, intending and meaning you can race through the rosary or you can be more prayerful about it uh, so I I do think that revisiting those traditional prayers of a morning offering and uh, prayer before and. You know, it's so interesting. I never learned, I suppose I could, the prayer after meals. Sure. So there's a prayer before. That's what we did. That's grace. And yeah. What's after? Uh, gratitude, right? Or, but We never did either. In our family, we started to do it because uh, we noticed that uh, the longer dinner went on, especially with, uh, we, we have a lot of younger children, uh, chaos would start to uh, ensue. Uh, as the children got restless at the table, and there wasn't a quite uh, uh, is dinner over yet or not, and we we what's the bracket? Yeah, right? we decided we're going to put the ending prayer in so that everybody knows dinner's over with, and then we can start you know clearing the table and doing mm -hmm. the dishes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so those, but I think what might be a little bit more of a um, a challenge is the other kind of prayer that the church does, and this is. Uh, devotional prayer. This is prayer that is more spontaneous. It's unique to you. Um, 
these can be a little bit more, uh, can, can include more than one person. But I think in the context of the family, it's each individual person in their relationship with God. Uh, I think because of like teachings of Jesus or just a, a, a good sense of piety and, and humility that we're supposed to have in our prayer, uh, we as parents might have the sense that we, we need to go off into our, our separate room or something to do our prayers. But I actually think it's a good idea to let your kids see you pray. Let your kids know yeah. that you're praying. Um, because otherwise they're not going to have, there's no other way for them to learn that. And so in general, I would say, yes, find a spot to, to get some privacy and to, and to spend time in prayer. But if you're a parent, you need to be visible in your private prayer, which can, which can present some challenges because you need some privacy to be able to focus. But like my children know that every morning, uh, if they go to my, um, my home office and they open the door, I'm in my armchair and I'm saying my prayers. Uh, so I don't have to be like sitting on the floor in the middle of the living room, but they know where I am. They know what I'm doing. Yeah. <clears throat> my, my father, when uh, he had a, uh, a renewal of his relationship with the Lord or, or actually just the first time he had a personal relationship when I was a teenager. And I remember seeing him faithfully every day reading the scriptures and mm-hmm. praying. Yeah. So he would, he would sit there and uh, he had made a commitment to read the Bible for five minutes, at least five minutes a day, sure. and he would do that and take time to pray. Yeah. So that was uh, that was a great witness to me, uh, and so I, I I think that was valuable to me and to my siblings. And then as as kids grow up, I think um, just simple questions uh, to help to help encourage them to be thinking about their own relationship with God, um, asking them who their favorite saints are and why. Uh, um, talking to them about what the experience of prayer is. You know, our oldest, Eleanor, she's getting ready for her first communion. She's been thinking and talking a lot with us recently about prayer. Um, she wants to know what is it, what does it sound like when God talks to you? And, and so you have those conversations, you know, uh, taking her to adoration so that she can have time um, uh, alone uh, with the Lord. But then also um, not just expecting her to just sit there passively, uh, telling her to bring her coloring book or something like that, mm-hmm. because she's still seven years old. So she needs, That's right. you know, her attention span is, is going to be limited as well. So, And let me just encourage uh, the men who <coughs> may be listening to this who don't feel like they're equipped to answer questions like your daughter asked, what does it sound like for God to speak to us? And maybe you haven't had that experience, but... What we don't want to do, brothers, is say, go ask your mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sense of this is, spirituality yeah, this is, is women's uh, and it's feminine. It's not masculine. So I don't really – and I, I, I don't know that anybody who would be listening to our podcast would fall into that. But there can be a danger there that you just say, well, this is a really an area of strength for for, for the, the woman, for the wife, for the mother – not for me as a, but I, and I, and I think the more you give yourself to that and to, to pray, maybe rope prayers and then taking that, uh, opportunity to, to pray a, pl- a blessing over sons, daughters, spouse, uh, there can be a greater comfort with that kind of prayer. Yeah. And I think sometimes we hesitate because we think we have to have the perfect answer. That's right. And what I've learned in, in trying to father my children is, you know, is that saying, I think it's often misunderstood, but that saying that um, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. 
uh, I think this is one of those times where it's like, give your kid whatever exa- answer you've got. You know, maybe. Well, and, and, and absolutely, <clears throat> if, if, you, if you don't know the answer, say, that's a really say good so. question. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good question, and I don't know the answer. Yeah. I mean, wh- what greater credibility can you have than speaking the truth? Mm-hmm. But then pursue getting the answer. Yeah, yeah. So um, since our time, we don't have forever to talk about this. Let's move on to the uh, the second uh, of the three, and that would be um, evangelization. And so uh, what do we mean by evangelization? It can be uh, lots of people can have different uh, definitions for it. Uh, I think it's basically um, there should always be in the family uh, an effort to learn an effort to grow in our understanding. You know, uh, the old Baltimore Catechism said that we were made to know, love, and serve God. Evangelization is all about the knowing part of that. And so are you reading a book of spirituality or um, or theology, um, Father Mike Schmitz's Bible in a year or catechism in a year? Uh, and then uh, are you um, sharing what you're learning with your children? Do your children have amongst all of their Dr. Seuss uh, books of the saints or, um, you know, children's Bible uh, where they're also engaging the stories of salvation history? Yeah, right. Um, I was really pleased our <clears throat> our uh, school recently had a, a children's author uh, come to the school who had written a book on the saints and we were able to get a book on 300, I think it was 365 Days of the Saints. And my daughter was going through, I had never heard of any of these saints. So it was great. We were both able to sit down and read and learn some, you know, something about the, about the saints. I think the saints are our greatest assets. Um, You know, if you want to uh, learn how to swing a golf club better, you watch videos of, or, or, or explanations from Tiger Woods. That's right. Um, you know, uh, the saints are the ones that they're the experts at, at the Christian life. And so the more we can uh, learn from them and anybody has access to the saints, you don't have to be a theologian, um, uh, to be able to learn from the saints. Yeah. Right. So <clears throat> one of the things I always loved about, um, Pope Benedict or Cardinal Ratzinger is anytime he would write a big theological treatise, he would always include the example of, of a saint as how they live that that bit of theology out um, because he was very um, familiar with the lives of the saints. So those are just some uh, things that I would recommend just starting off is, is look to the lives of the saints, have some, um, have some resources for your kids, like children's Bible or something like that. They're very easy to get, um, get your hands on. Um, but then also for yourself, always be looking to learn more. That's right. Because the questions do come and then... Um, are you ready to? And there are there are resources out there. Um, <clears throat> you talked about Mike Schmidt's Father Mike Schmidt's uh, Bible in a Year, Catechism in a Year, uh, the Hallow app. A oh, lot yeah. of people have found that the Hallow app is is really uh, uh, a great way to pray. Uh, the The cost, I think, is is it sixty dollars a year or something like that. So oh, yeah. it's, it's it's not it's not cheap. But in fact, uh, just kind of a preview of coming attractions, not here, but at St. Martha's, uh, Tuesday, February 13th at 7 p.m. A team member from Hallow will provide a dynamic. This is a, a blurb from Father Ryan Riley, the pastor of St. Martha, uh, on uh, 
on why prayer is important, how to pray as we focus on prayer, fasting, and almsgiving throughout Lent. He writes, this may be a great way to enter into the season. Uh, having the Hallow Hall 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 app is not necessary. Uh, it'll be at St. Martha's in their parish hall on uh, February 13th, which is Fat Tuesday at 7 p.m. So. And, you know, the uh, the parish is very good at, at supplying resources. I mean, we get books every Christmas and Easter. Mm -hmm. um, do you actually read those books that you take, or are you like me and you just carry them home and put them on your bookshelf? To, to collect. <laughs> Uh, the formed uh, yeah. pro, um, yeah, access it, it, to forms, yeah. like we mentioned at the beginning, um, and so a lot of times it's just taking the step and just. Well, and I, I will it. say that that as much as I criticize social <clears throat> media, uh, I forwarded that link to the interview of Father Boniface Hicks, um, Benedictine monk of Saint Vincent Archabbey. Uh, that was about incense. And oh, yeah, yeah. That little seven-minute clip is very edifying. Mm -hmm. And uh, it gave me personal encouragement, but also stuff to take to prayer. How does this apply to me as a priest? And any person mm -hmm. could talk about the, their own suffering and how they can bring that to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then I, I guess my, my little bit of a challenge I would put is if you are somebody who already has read every single, um, uh, uh, what's that uh, guy wrote for, for Signs of a Dynamic Catholic? Matthew, oh, Matthew Kelly. Kelly. If yeah. you've read every Matthew Kelly book, if you're, you know, you're, you're already kind of engaged, challenge yourself. Pick up something by Cardinal Ratzinger. Oh, yeah. uh, pick up something by you know uh, a theologian. Um, Cardinal Seurat. Yeah. Uh, take the next, you, you won't grow unless you're challenged. And so um, be willing to challenge yourself. Be willing to not understand every paragraph in a book um, because uh, you'll still be able to glean some fruit from that and your mind will grow and your understanding will grow. Yeah. At Christmas this year, we, uh, we gave away the book filled with reflections from uh, Sean O'Neill uh, called Signposts, mm -hmm. and we did waymarks. And that would be an opportunity for you to just... Um, either get together with others or spend some time reflecting on uh, his musings about the Christian life. And uh, on Wednesday mornings, the men's the prayer men's breakfast, group, yeah. seven, 630 to 7.30 every Wednesday morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's opportunities. And uh, if the women of the parish wanted to do something similar to that, we're very open to that possibility. Uh, I think it's great to have others with whom to talk. So you get strengthened in your role as head of the domestic church or a member of the domestic church by growing, uh, letting the iron of others sharpen the mm -hmm. iron of your soul. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, to move on, because our time is limited, uh, the, uh, the works of mercy. So how, how, how are we doing love uh, within our families and then um, outside the family? Um, I, would, I would start by this. So one... I think with a, it doesn't take much to stretch the imagination to say that parents just in their daily life fulfill all of the corporal and spiritual works of mercy uh, with their children. Uh, in the morning, you will clothe the naked, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, comfort the sorrowing. Uh, if you need to uh, follow up on a punishment, sending a kid to the room, you will visit the imprisoned. Um, you will do them all. Uh, the key 
though, is to do them with love. And sometimes uh, that's the that's where the challenge is. You're doing it either out of obligation or to just get them to stop crying, yeah. or um, you know, to give yourself some peace. Uh, the challenge is to love uh, in the midst of those difficult moments when you're doing what otherwise might be just seen as your obligation because you're a parent. Yeah, and, and you know, it seems to me that that every parent has one or more of their children that um, present particular challenges. And sometimes those children can change depending on the season of life. Well, and and that's right, that's right. But I guess what I'd encourage uh, everyone to do is, if there's a challenge there, take that to the Lord and ask not just for the grace to love them well, but... Every, every response in our hearts, uh, maybe of joy or of uh, irritation, there's something there that we can bring to the Lord in, in a time of meditation and say, I just, I just feel so exasperated by this or that child. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or, uh, Lord, what's, what's going on in my heart when I hear her or him say that or do that? Maybe it's something in your own character that is mm. coming back to you. Yeah. I'll <laughs> notice things that my that my daughter does that annoys me. Uh, that when I take some reflection, it's because they remind me of myself. At well, that that's age. right. That's right. That's right. And so I, I do think that that's a benefit and a challenge of of you get to see those joys, but there's also those challenges, and and we we help each other become saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the only other thing I would add is. Um, and I think this is a challenge maybe for some people more than others, but we need to be doing works of mercy outside the home, uh, whether or not those are organized, like uh, helping out with the the um, uh, St. Vincent de Paul Society, or whether it is um, uh, volunteering uh, for something uh, or giving a few bucks to uh, a homeless person on the street corner that asked for it. Um Again, like in prayer, the, I think the natural kind of Catholic imagination is that we need to be doing this in private. Jesus says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand, or maybe yeah. that's the opposite, left hand know what your right hand's doing. But with children, they, this is the only way they're going to learn it. And so if I give money to somebody at the street corner, I call, actually call attention to it after I'm done uh, interacting with the gentleman. I said, hey, did you guys see what I did? That man didn't have food, and we're going home to have lunch right now. So I gave him five dollars so he can go to McDonald's. Well, this is this is what uh, <clears throat> Jesus invited the disciples to live with him, mm-hmm. and he exactly, taught. yeah, yeah. He, he he did things. He taught. He pressed them. Who do who do who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? He's inviting them, and and um, parents are mentors, obviously enough for their children. Yeah, and so if you do so uh, something that is more organized, like uh, or volunteering, or or like with the Saint Vincent de Paul, uh, and it's possible your children are old enough and they're able to to join you, I would invite your children to actually join you. Let them see the poor. Let them see, uh, you know, the work that you're doing because um, that will teach them in ways that words could never do uh, about what we should be valuing. Uh, in our actions and in our um, how we spend our, our resources and things like that. So just some quick thoughts about how um, the work of the church, the life of the church can also be the life of the family. 
Yeah. So we're uh, coming up to the presentation of the Lord where Mary and Joseph present Jesus in the temple. And uh, we're grateful for the gift of children and of uh, families. And we pray, I pray for you that through the challenges and joys of being parents, you will grow and your children will grow in their love of God and their ability to receive that love and, and to love others in, in return. Just an upcoming event at our parish will be for the men. We had a women's uh, Advent morning of reflection or recollection. We're going to have one for the men uh, the Saturday, the 24th of February. Uh, it'll begin after the 815 Mass. Uh, I'll be talking. We were going to have um, Father Jeff Heward, a priest of the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, but uh, uh, he said when he was asked by Sean O'Neill to do it, uh, you might have to get somebody else, and the Lord called him home. Mm. So uh, may he rest in peace. Wow. Uh, so I'm going to be giving some reflections on uh, the spiritual battle. Uh, the title of the, the, the morning of reflection will be a Band of Brothers Engaging the Spiritual Battle and just be talking about some strategies for all men, but also especially focusing on fathers and how they can help their sons and daughters know the love of God and, yeah. and live the life well. That's great. And uh, this, I think there might be one more episode after this comes out, but technically before Lent, but we've got about two weeks to go until right. Lent. Yeah. So um, now's the time to start thinking about how you're going to live your Lent rather than the way I usually do it. And uh, the first Saturday after uh, Ash Wednesday, I finally decided yeah, that's, <laughs> what it, am it, I going to do. And, and I, as I always say, <clears throat> giving something up and taking something up, taking some discipline up. And uh, I think uh, the Lord, we know, we know. Just take some time, be intentional about it, and uh, let's pray for each other. as we Pray for our candidates and catechumens. That's they're, right. They're coming Excellent. into their final days of preparation. So. Yeah. All right. Well, for another week, this is Rich. And Father Steve. God bless. Many of us lead lives of frenetic activity and unremitting busyness. In the following reflection from Sean O'Neill, we explore ways in which we can make time each day for God. How we use our time. Ever since the Industrial Revolution in the 19th century, we've been trying to automate as much of our lives as possible in order to leave more time for leisure. Scientists and technology experts, especially in the last part of the 20th century, were predicting a life without work, a utopia where we would have endless hours of uninterrupted free time in which we could do, well, do what? That was the question. Anyone who has had children knows that what other people might call free time is very quickly appropriated by attending kids' sports events, taking kids to the zoo, driving them to sleepovers at their friends' homes, cleaning up after them and dealing with minor crises that arise over the issue of laundry. And then when we do get some moments of downtime, we either don't quite know what to do with them or we are too exhausted to apply ourselves to any meaningful task. Nevertheless, at some point in our lives, 
whether it's when our kids are at school, when they are old enough to fend for themselves, or when we become empty nesters or if we're single, we might find ourselves with an unexpected amount of free time. Yes, we may pack our lives with frenetic, energetic activity, and we may have responsibilities that take up a good chunk of our available time, but we'll still find that there are gaps. However, there is a tendency, especially if we feel depressed, anxious, bereaved, abandoned or somehow traumatised by current or past events, to bury ourselves in work, numb ourselves with stimulants or pack every spare minute with doing stuff. Usually that doesn't work particularly well because it only postpones our problems rather than dealing with them. In reality, a lot of us have quite a lot of what might be called free time during an average day. It's just that we choose to spend that time surfing the web, engaging in social media exchanges, or watching TV or mindless internet videos, or playing electronic games of one sort or another. In The Imitation of Christ, a 15th century devotional book by Thomas Akempis, the author gives us wise advice about how to navigate the spiritual life. The book has four parts, and in chapter 19 of the first part, he speaks about some ways in which we can maintain our focus on the journey to holiness. Here's what he says about the usage of time. Arm yourself like a man against the devil's assaults. Curb your appetite and you will more easily curb every inclination of the flesh. Never be completely unoccupied, but read or write or pray or meditate or do something for the common good. We've all heard the old adage, idle hands are the devil's playground. The phrase has been attributed to the 4th century writer and translator Saint Jerome. There's a lot of truth in it, and it can be a worthwhile exercise to examine how we spend our time and take some steps to address it. One of the disadvantages of going on the internet now is that there is clickbait everywhere. Tantalising images that pop up on the screen that promise brief but enjoyable titillation. It's one of the reasons why so many men and women have an addiction to pornography. In fact, often it can be tricky to do any honest internet research without being lured away into the dark recesses of the web. Of course, if we're truthful, a lot of the time we might not be doing honest research at all. We're simply and aimlessly wasting time jumping from one link to another, looking for something to take our minds off the serious business of life. The same goes for how we use our smartphones. It has become increasingly the case that when you see a group of people standing or sitting together, most, if not all, of them will be staring down at the screens on their phones. For all we know, they might actually be texting each other. Of course, when we do waste time like this, or when we end up going down the rabbit hole of internet stimulants, we feel guilty. We might even feel trapped by our addiction, and that can lead to hopelessness and despair. Hopelessness and despair are not from the Lord. They are from the enemy of our souls. And so it is a good idea to work out how to avoid these sorts of situations. One way of combating circumstances that can become near occasions of sin 
is by planning. As the wise author of The Imitation says, never be completely unoccupied. What does this mean in practice? Well, one thing we can do is stop for a moment and make a list of tasks that we can undertake when we find ourselves with free time. The tasks we come up with don't always have to be tedious things like doing the laundry, although I guess it does have to be done at some point. They could also be tasks such as praying for people we know who need our prayers, reading a good book, emailing someone we haven't contacted in a while, or having a face-to-face conversation with someone else rather than texting them. Whatever the activity might be, the point here is that if we have already thought out a list of tasks beforehand, then we will not be caught short by unexpected free moments cropping up and not know what to do with them. It's usually the case that if we don't prepare for these occasions, we will probably inevitably drift into wasting time on the internet or playing computer games or trawling social media or whatever other fruitless pastime we never thought of. All of those activities are actually designed to be addictive, so it's no wonder that we get trapped in their clammy grip if we succumb to the temptation. You might wonder why we're talking about this in the first place. Well, if you're serious about the spiritual life, if you truly want to become a saint, and if you don't want to do anything that takes you away from your relationship with God, then you'll want to eliminate from your life anything that hinders your path along the road to perfection. One way we can facilitate that is by removing distractions and occasions of sin by preparing in advance rather than trying to make a decision when we're under attack. As Thomas Akempis says, arm yourself like a man against the devil's assaults. Of course, none of this means that we can't have periods of relaxation, that we can't watch TV or search the internet and so on. But we are much more likely to identify and deal with the assaults of the enemy if we are intentional about what we do during downtime and plan ahead. And this is not simply a negative approach where we deny ourselves pleasure and lead lives of dismal rectitude with no fun. The reason we want to avoid sin is because it gets in the way of our relationship with the only one who can really give us the consolation and satisfaction that we crave. God loves us and he sent his Holy Spirit to help us in the spiritual battle. Let's lean into that power and that love. Let's, as Jesus advises, be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. The Christian life is not a level playing field. It's a battlefield. And we need to do everything in our power to make sure that at the end of the day, we are on the right side. Let's pray and ask the Lord for the grace to be able to avoid occasions that may lead us into sin and instead lead lives of purity and joy marked by our dedication to following the Lord. Lord our God, we love you and we want to be with you, to know your love and to open ourselves to your purifying hand. Give us the shrewdness, the ability and the grace to combat our evil tendencies, to live a life wholeheartedly for you and to avoid occasions that lead us away from you into the realms of darkness. Amen.
finish this episode with a poem by Brian Fink, Milking. Milking by Brian Fink. There's a clutch of cold at four. My oaken fingers slide open the door to the barn, squared by planks with missing knots, battens sealing in the seams and out the frost. The buff brick hearth yuled with black anthracite fills the eastern wall like a dull sunrise, ceiling to floor. Gloves won't do for the milk machine, and anyway, it's quiet and clean and just as fast by hand. So I measure out and pour in the grain to summon each sonin for her turn in the stand. The warm milk strikes the blue steel pale, filling out the bottom round and rising, forms a head of frothy film behind the veil of steam until the empty udder shows its seam. I mostly milk alone since Graham died, though my hands are too big and my perch too wide. Still, every moment of my hands and mind gesture at the wisdom she left behind. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. Please tune in next time for more conversation, reflections, and Catholic culture. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to drop us a line to give us feedback or suggest future topics to feature, write us at podcast at corelansing.org. You can find the Church of the Resurrection online at corelansing.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.